What in the world is a Bonspiel? What does it have to do with the sport of curling? And what are you doing all weekend? It's episode 337 of the Dan York Report. And as I get prepared to head down to uh, Washington, D.C. for my daughter's curling team to play in a Bonspiel all weekend, I've had some of those questions and thought I'd take a moment to explain a bit about what Bonspiels are all about in the sport of curling. So, to start, a Bonspiel is what you would call a tournament in other sports. It is a series of games played over a series of days that ultimately leads to some kind of championship game where a team wins and they get some kind of you know, prize or award or medals or cash or just the glory of saying they've won the event, whatever it may be. But it's, it's a series of games. Now, to, go, to explain a bit about how this would work, in a typical event you would have multiple teams playing on the ice at one time. Most curling clubs have at least two, three, or four, or more sheets of ice, which is, if you've seen curling on TV, that's where you're throwing the rocks down the ice. And you can have, you know, X games simultaneously. Where we're going in uh, the Potomac Curling Club, there are four sheets of ice, so four games can happen simultaneously. Uh, where I curl normally at the Petersham Curling Club in Massachusetts, there are two sheets of ice, so two games can be simultaneous. So there's a set of games that are occurring in a Bonspiel that's called a draw. So there's a draw time, and so that's a set of games that are going on. So, for instance, tomorrow night when we drive down to Potomac, there will be one draw on Friday night, which will be for the teams that are playing there. Then there will be a set of draws, two or three draws on Saturday, which will all, you know, compete where the teams will be competing against each other, playing against each other. And then the teams with the best uh, win-loss ratios, the most wins, will go on to play each other in championship games on Sunday. Now, it, it works in that fashion. How it's structured really depends upon, you know, how many teams there are. The one that my the my daughter's team is going to this weekend only has a small number of teams so they're all playing each other in a fairly straightforward kind of round robin where they just go around and play all the teams and in the teams with the best records play each other in the championship type of thing now last weekend my daughter's team was up in Canada where there were 16 or teams playing each other and so they had two different brackets of that were round robin among each other so they had two different pools that were then competing against each other to then um, find out who was the best ranked and the top eight teams went into a set of quarterfinals, which then went into semifinals, which went into the finals. So the structure can depend entirely upon how many teams you have, what kind of uh, space you have to play, you know, how many sheets you can have, how many, I mean, how many simultaneous games you can have, and also the length of it. You know, this Bonspiel that my daughter's going to tomorrow is it starts on a Friday evening. So kids can get there after school, or in our case, we're taking the day off to go down there, but because it's down in DC and we're in New Hampshire. But you've got something in the evening, then you've got games on Saturday, then you've got games on Sunday until Sunday afternoon. Now, last weekend was this Canadian Bonspiel. It was all day on Friday. So they actually traveled on Thursday. And it was all day on Saturday and, again, all day on Sunday. So, again, it, it varies exactly according to, you know, how many teams there have, what's going on, all those kinds of things. As a team, you typically play in many Bonspiels. You'll have a Friday night draw. So you'll play a game there. And then you'll have 
you know, two, say, two or three on, on Saturday. They're typically spaced out. In a curling game, it is two to two and a half hours on the ice where you're having the game. It's it's pretty intense, tiring, and so you typically want to break between them. So you will have, you know, like you might have a game at nine o'clock in the morning and then you might have one at two o'clock in the afternoon or you might have a game at 11 and four or something. There are times and there were some of those this past weekend where you might wind up playing three games in a day and you might even go back to back. You know, again, if you won, some of the bond spiels have it, you know exactly when you're going to play when. Other ones, it all depends on who wins and who loses, but it determines who you play. And so you might play one game and then find out that you're playing immediately after that. You know, here, have a 15-minute break and then go back out on the ice to play again. So the structure varies, the timing varies, all of those things go. Some of the Bonspiels might start their games at 9 in the morning. Some go even earlier at 8. Some will have people playing on the ice at 9 p.m., uh, you know, for so not off the ice until 11, 11.30, something like that. It will, again, depend upon how many teams are there. Now, the... And, and again, there's a playoff time. Some bond spiels will have like consolation games very early on Sunday morning. Some will have semifinals and then finals. Uh, some will have different brackets, different, they call them events. They'll have an A event, a B event, a C event, a D event, which will just determine on where you came out of the brackets in terms of your win-loss and also who you played, etc. all of those types of things. There is typically a guaranteed number of games. When you sign up, you know that you're going to get four games or three games or whatever it may be. There's something there, which is the incentive for people signing up because you know if you're going to travel and pay to go to this event, you'd like to know that you're going to have at least three games or four games or whatever it may be. So there is, is some level that you have on there. Now, the games typically are what are eight ends as we call in curling, which is when everybody throws a rock down one direction. It's 16 rocks. Um, if you played uh, if you played baseball, it would be the equivalent of an inning. Both both sides throw the rocks, both sides throw the balls, etc. But it's, it's basically, it's that, it's that thing. You're going one direction down, then you're coming back. And typically games are eight ends. And that's about a two-hour game that goes on. There are some that might be 10 ends, and in, when you, when you go, go up in the professional, uh, well, not professional, in the uh, competitive level, as you're heading up into the, the championships and, and the competitive curling, heading toward the, uh, the Olympics, heading toward the world championships, heading toward those, they play 10 end games, and they have a short break at the fifth end. But otherwise, uh, it's typically an eight-end game. You might find some that do six-end games, some bonspiels that might be more targeted at being a social event. They're not as competitive. They're more about socializing. And so they might just do six-end games to fit in some. Uh, for some of the young curlers, like the youth you know, below 12 years old, we've had bonspiels where we've done it with uh, four-end games. So it's about an hour. But in that case, you're typically trying to do it all in one day, starting at nine and ending at four or something like that. So it's a one-day bonspiel there. But typically, they're eight ends. They're going on like that. Um, and then the other aspect of a bonspiel is that it can have different kinds of audiences uh, or participants, I should say. It can be all a single gender, so it can be all men, so it's a men's bond spiel, or it can be a women's bond spiel, 
or it can be a mixed Bonspiel, which might have certain rules around that each team has to have two men and two women, or at least one man and one or one woman, and they have to be in skip and vice, different rules around that. So it could be mixed teams. There are also so-called open Bonspiels, which can be anything. So it can be a team of all men, all women, a mixture. It, there's no rules specifically around that in some cases. Uh, it varies, again, from event to event and by whoever is putting it on. There are, of course, as I mentioned here, juniors bonspiels, youth bonspiels, pieces like that. Uh, a feature of bonspiels, of course, too, is that they are also um, there's a social element to them, typically. Uh, for the kids, the juniors, and juniors is typically 12 years old to 21, so it's that teenage to young adult kind of range. There are often events, like on the Saturday night, there would be some kind of evening social, which might involve a, a dinner of some type, dancing, uh, bowling, uh, billiards, you know, whatever, something that is fun, that's interesting, that's there. And that's true of adult bonspiels too. They will also ha- often have a gala dinner on that Saturday evening or something. Very often, bonspiels may be themed. And so the, the gala dinner will have, you know, a theme to it. It might be I don't know, pirates or Old West or or some kind of theme or whatever it might be. And so people will come getting dressed up in various different fashions and different ways. Some teams will, in fact, wear costumes when they're out on the ice and they're curling on that. Uh, For adults, of course, there's also typically alcohol flowing around at some level, uh, depending upon the curling club, the place. There may be a bar that people can come back to afterwards. And for adults, there's a tradition in curling that the uh, the winner plays for the loser's drinks. So, you know, the good news is either you win the game or you get a free drink. Uh, for kids, obviously, that doesn't really apply. Some curling clubs do let people have alcohol out on the ice. Some do not. There's a wide range in that. But that's, you know, it's a social thing, too. You're getting to go and uh, and have this experience, play with people for two, two and a half hours on the ice, get off the ice, socialize for a while, go back on the ice, do all of that kind of thing. There is a good bit of waiting that's involved too, because you'll have your game, say from nine to 11, then you're probably off the ice until maybe one or one thirty or something, depending upon how the, the exact structure is or two. So you're out, you're, you know, just in the warm room in the area, watching through the glass socializing with people, seeing what goes on, then you're back on the ice, then you're off the ice, you know, and, and on and on in those different kinds of ways. So it's, um, it's a social thing. It's got a lot of things. Food is there, typically included at some level. There's usually dinners or lunches in there, maybe breakfast, maybe not, but typically there's some kind of food, snacks around, those kind of things. The awards can vary as well. There might be medals, there might be trophies that are given out. There might be, uh, in many cases, in club bonspiels, you wind up getting something, and then your name also gets embedded on a, a plaque or on a you know piece of metal that goes onto a trophy that uh, that says you know your names and on there. Some of those trophies are moved between clubs. Somebody might win it and bring it home to their club. Uh, others stay in the club themselves. Uh, you might get you know, again, some kind of medal or some kind of trophy or something. There are also cash spiels, as they're called, where people are, you know, the money that you pay to do this um, is goes into a fund and the winners get some portion of that. So you are getting money back 
you know, as part of uh, the winners get that. Uh, you might also get points in the the Canadian spiel that my daughter's team just went to was part of a junior slam series that happens in Canada. And so for you get points based on how far you went during the weekend, you know, whether you got into the quarterfinals, the semifinals, the finals, etc. And the highest ranked teams, it's a series of bond spiels over the course of the season, the highest ranked teams at the end get to go to a uh, an overall championship that happens um, at the end of the season. So it could be something like that. Uh, that also happens in the uh, in the professional level as well in some of the world curling tour and things. You're you're accumulating points. You're accumulating pieces that go toward your overall ranking as that. Uh, there is a cost, as I mentioned. It does depend. It's typically some amount per team um, at the junior level where I participate participate a lot. It's typically around forty to fifty dollars a a player for the weekend. That's just for the game, not for lodging or travel or anything like that. And that includes the food and the pieces like that. Adult bond spiels might be closer to 80 or or $100. They can be significantly higher. But you're effectively paying for uh, the time there on the ice, some of the food, prizes, all those kinds of things that are part of that. There is also a, a couple, another note I should say, there is a time, as I said, a game is typically two hours some bond spiels and some clubs will run a timer to ensure that uh, that all the draws work very well. And you will have to start either your seventh or eighth end, depending upon the, how, cl- how the club does it, at, by a certain point or else you don't get to play that end. Because if you don't do this, what can happen is you can have people who are just work very slowly thinking about their strategy thinking about everything that's going on and so the, the 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 pace of the game can go very slowly which can then foul up the rest of the schedules so many bond spiels will run with some kind of timer that says that you have to throw your first rock of the eighth end by such and such a time or you don't get to play that end those kind of things happen on that uh, there are also different kinds of rules, too. For a while, we had a difference between Canada and the United States in terms of whether we use the three-rock rule or the four-rock rule for guards. Uh, there's an upcoming five-rock rule. That may not mean much for you if you don't know anything about curling, but the net of it is there may be specific rules about how the play happens. Uh, a final note, I, I mentioned um, coaching, or there is the possibility that coaches are involved. This is particularly at the junior level because these are the teams that are working toward uh, becoming competitive and you know potentially looking toward going toward the Olympic, toward doing other things like that. Um, it is also true in men's bond spiels as you get in the, in the higher competitive level and women's bond spiels, you know, teams that are going at the higher competitive level, there will be coaches involved. In a typical club bond spiel, yeah, not so much, right? It's just teams that are coming together. People are going, socializing, doing this kind of thing, playing in the game. You're not seeing coaches. But in the competitive bond spiels, you will see a coach. And they're typically, you know, sitting behind the glass, you know, being there. They'll, they, can, they can help the team before. They can talk to the team after. But once the team goes out there, there's generally no interaction with the coach. Um, with the exception that there sometimes can be a timeout called, and depending upon the bond spiel, the teams may have you know one bond spiel or one timeout or two timeouts or three or any number 
It varies, again, according to the rules. But when a timeout is called, the coach is then able to go out and talk to the team, you know, look at what's going on and, and help them if they want to. That's generally the only thing a coach can do during the game. And some Bonspiels are very clear that the coach cannot actually signal to the team out on the ice. The coach has to sit behind the glass and can't make any signals, can't do anything like that. If the team calls a timeout, the coach can go out, but otherwise the coach has to just sit there. In other places, the coach can call a timeout or the coach can signal to the team that he or she wants the team to call a timeout. But otherwise, the coach just sits there, makes notes, does what they want to, you know, you know, gets prepared to talk to the team afterwards, and that's it. The team is in control. So that's a bit of a tour of, of Bonspiels in the curling space. And that's what I'm going to tomorrow. My daughter's team will be down there competing against other teams in the Potomac Curling Club in the Potomac Junior Spiel. Uh, that's where she was last weekend, and she'll be there in a couple other weekends this season as well, going off to different places again to participate in these kind of bond spiels. They're a lot of fun. It's uh, it's great to be part of one, to get out there, meet people, and play in a competitive situation some way. And, uh, and that's what they're all about. If you've got questions about it, feel free to leave them here at soundcloud.com slash danyork or anywhere this is uh, mentioned on social media. And I will put a link, if you're curious, in the show notes to my daughter's team. It is a Facebook page called Team Chumakov. And you'll want the team notes to, to get the link to that. But she's uh, they have a Facebook page where we'll be chronicling what's happening this weekend at uh, the Bonspiel in D.C. And other Bonspiels throughout the season. So that's all. Again, comments are welcome. Hope this helps explain a little bit about what Bonspiels are uh, in the curling world. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.